It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions every day of basketball and hockey playoffs. DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free for you to get a shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's game and track your results throughout the evening. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. in the north Oilers Jets games one tonight it's gonna be a good one are you looking forward to it Connor McDavid Connor Hellbelk it's gonna be a great series plus we even had some series even up last night Pittsburgh gets back on the board against the Isles Vegas finally scores some goals for Flurry. they're back in that series what's going on Cody Jans and Katie Caldwell with you. It's World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Now open in Edmonton, Alberta on St. Albert Trail, Northwest. Lord Co. proudly been a household name across Western Canada since 1974. Owned and operated in Canada. Now, finally in Edmonton, carry much more than just car parts. The newest store on St. Albert Trail, Northwest. Huge selection of aftermarket auto parts and accessories. Open seven days a week. Visit them today for an exceptional customer experience or learn more about their products and services at lordco.com. Connect with us anytime on social media. I'm there, Janet31. Kate, Katie Loris. Got to pronounce that one correct. And we're on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. Katie, what's going on? How's it going? Happy to be here, friend. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Anytime we get to talk hockey and we're in the playoffs, it's a good day. What did you think of some of those games last night? I mean, thrillers all around oh man i just love the first round of the playoffs like i find that as we get later into it i look back at these and i just miss the chaos of having like four games on a night and just switching back and forth and oh man i'm just so pumped on it is this the first year they've actually figured out how to stagger the games too because i I feel like we're not having to watch multiple intermissions that's the the key is the half hour because then you, yeah. that, I find that offsets it so perfectly. So yeah, I've noticed that too actually about that. It's wonderful. I don't. I, I didn't think the NHL had it in them to make a smart decision like that. <laughs> but here we are. I mean, <laughs> I also love the late games too. I know people in St. Louis they're complaining about it. It sucks for them. But hey, I'm all right. You know, if a, if a good double overtime, triple overtime mm-hmm. game goes to like one in the morning. That's awesome. That's part of hockey. 
That's what playoffs are for. I mean, I just remember being a kid and like you watch a game. It's like midnight, one in the morning, you got school the next day. You're like, I don't care. I'm a badass. I'm going to watch playoff hockey. <laughs> I know my parents totally let us stay up. They'd be like, okay, just until overtime is over though. And then all of a sudden it's like 1.30 AM. We're going to bed, but they're hockey fans too. So they get it. Are you a fan of those games that go the distance? Like I loved Columbus Tampa last year. That went five overtimes. I mean, inject that. That was just phenomenal. The stuff like that brings me back to being a hockey fan. Like not that I'm not, but working in the media, like moments like that where you're just hoping for nobody to score so you can keep getting free hockey. Like triple overtime, yeah. there's just nothing quite like it. So yeah, I'll you never feel bad for like Gordon Miller though. Oh, you do? Like that's gotta be a hustle. Man, we but. talked to him around world juniors time and i mean he said like that was the, one of the most challenging games he's ever done i can't even imagine because so much of it is just on the fly and then you're not going to commercials and it's just you have to be on for so long and you do all of your prep and obviously gord miller is like the best of the best but you do all of your prep and it's like hey gotta see if you got it because uh, oh, he's he, he's something else. He was a treat to talk to. A lot of great World Junior stories there. Obviously, he called some pretty big NHL games as well. Also, shout out to our girl Leah Hextall, friend of the show. Mm. ESPN picked her up. That's a massive deal, Katie. I know you can speak to this to this one. I know you do a ton in the hockey of the world stuff with Galvanized too. What was it like seeing you know Kate or uh, Leah? Pardon me. Get an NHL deal. Man, I'm just so, so, so excited. And I'm also excited for a day that it, we don't celebrate it as much, where it's so normal. Like, obviously, we'll celebrate Leah individually. But for women in general, this is such a huge deal. And I'm so excited for when it's less of a huge deal. Because when men get those jobs, we're just so used to that for how many years. So that's what I'm pumped for. And like you said, like, Leah, I'm just so over the moon for her. But excited for when it's so normal. She called that, oh man, I think it was Minnesota, North Dakota, like mm-hmm. five, six overtime game in the college playoffs this year. Oh, That's crazy. <laughs> like you just think about that. I think that was her one game of the tournament too. Unbelievable. And, and she's got to call three games in one night. That's that's yeah. tough for anyone. And she's just such a true professional. Handled it with class. She's been on on her show. And I mean, when she talks about the Jets, and I've even listened to her at CJOB there too, she's probably more educated than 90% of the hockey insiders, people we know. I mean, she's so well-spoken. She knows things. She knows statistics. And that's my thing. I I have half a brain when it comes to statistics. I don't know any of that stuff, but she's got it all there. So no surprise. She's having success. And I hope that they see this opportunity of this hockey expanding in the States with their TV deals and just doing more of that. There's so many qualified, educated, talented, brilliant women out there in broadcasting and then for management too. like go across the board. We're seeing that it's working. We will get into a little bit. Some of those management deals too. obviously Haley Wickenheiser, the big one. That was awesome to see. I doctor Haley Wickenheiser. I got it. I've seen it and I saw someone get ripped on. They're like, oh, you should call her by her proper name. Now I'm like, oh man, I 
knew I'd be the first one to mess it up here on World Hockey Report. We'll get into that later for uh, some NHL news here. Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, got to tell you about them. It's our NHL news time. Family-owned Canadian company changing the hockey stick game. Pro Rock offers top-of-the-line twigs at a fraction of the cost. Not even close. Use them for a while, and they'll never go back to one of the big companies. Sorry, just not going to happen. Pro Rock lighter, more balanced, and at the best price point when it comes to top-of-the-line sticks. Check them out today. ProRock.com. NHL news, tons to get to. We will break down a lot of the series, give our thoughts on that, but there's some bigger news points to hit on. Katie, of course, jump in if you do got something to say. The big news out of Canada, Montreal. They're going to allow 25 or around 2,500 fans if they get to game six against the Leafs. I feel like this is kind of a present. Like They're just dangling a carrot in front of the Canadians being like, hey, if you don't suck in five games, we'll let you have a couple of fans if you get to game six. It just feels like a little bit of a tease. It's such a cool incentive, though, <laughs> because everybody's just riding off the Habs in this. It's like, yeah, make them go to at least six so they can feel that vibe. I love that. Now, now I saw Carey Price had a little bit of a meltdown today at practice. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Adam was the one who tweeted it out. He's, I mean, smashing sticks out there. Obviously a very emotional guy. He's kind of the X factor in this series because it's Carey Price. Although... Ooh. Right now, he might not be the best goaltender in the world. At one point in time, he was. And you can always find a way to get in your back pocket and pull that out again. It's just Carey Price. So we'll see where that attitude gets. Um, moving along, uh, some coaching news. Rick Tonkett. Sounds like he's going to be in line here with Seattle. I know they're interviewing him. They're talking to him. Also, Patrick Watt talking to the Rangers, kind of an informal interview from everything we're hearing. A couple of sources saying he's going to be meeting up for a more formal one. Did, did you like Patrick Wall when he was in Colorado? Do you think he has potential to be a coach there? I always thought if he's going to coach again, and be in Montreal. That's what I kind of thought too. So that's one I'm not too sure of. I think it'll kind of be an experiment and see if it works. But yeah, I've always been a Wall fan enough. Like I was didn't grow up a big house fan, but yeah, that's an interesting one. I more watched him with Colorado. And so here's part of the reason I liked him was because anytime Colorado played Detroit, it was always mayhem. I yeah. cheer for mayhem. I cheer for chaos. That's what makes well, hockey fun. So. He pulled the goalie. I'll never forget with 11 minutes to go. In the yeah. And that was some of the most pure chaos, chaos I had seen in a long time. Cause he was one of the first OG ones to really, really push that. Definitely. I and I mean, I think they were down by like five at that point, And they're kind of like, what's the difference is by five or six. Still kind of funny to see. Was it his first game ever where he went after Bruce Boudreaux in between the benches too, when he was pushing down the glass? I was think that, that was one of his first ones. I think oh, that was like early on. Maybe it was the first game of a season, but he was a maniac. Okay. Oh yeah. Big time. Like towards level maniac. And I don't think, and this isn't to like go on a rant and be like, oh, kids nowadays are so soft, but I don't think New York's young players could handle Patrick Watt. I feel like he's too blunt. He's too, you know, straightforward to the point, old school, mean, rough, tough. I think of him more in the Craig Berube conversation than I do the Ralph Kruger. And so when you're looking at a team like New York, when I see Lafreniere, when I see Capocacco, when I see Adam Fox, the two Russian goaltenders who are relatively young as well, I don't see Patrick Watt gelling there. I don't feel like that's a team that will succeed by getting yelled at. I agree with you, especially with the surgence of players, coaches. We're talking about it so much. Like I look at Travis Green, I look at Rod the Bod. 
And how did I know Travis Green was the first one you'd bring up? Well, well, but Travis was like, look at how the guys talk about him and that they're such a unique contract situation right now with him still playing, which is ridiculous. That's all different conversation. But he's still coaching for a contract. I don't think he will be in Vancouver, but all of the guys are coming out and they have nothing but good things to say. And it's the same with Rod in Carolina. And I just think that's kind of the wave of the future where if you communicate with your guys and you have their backs rather than kind of that old school Daryl Sutter style, because we see that that's not necessarily working right now. No, Daryl Sutter's not going to work on that Flames team. No one's going to work on that Flames team. I mean, you could throw, you could have a million, a hundred million dollar coaching staff on the Flames bench and they're not going to get anything out of their superstars, quote unquote. I don't know. Hit us up in the chat. If you're, you know, thinking about coaches right now, you're watching the show. Let us know what you're thinking coaching wise. The Wings, they just re-signed head coach. I mean, Stevie Y committing to Jeff Blass Hill there wasn't overly shocked but again he's one of those managers who is in it to develop a coach as well so i'm not surprised he's all about the development model the coach has to grow with the team and i think that there's a big learning curve to be had you know the caps were kind of a write-off when they won their cup i mean that was such a weird situation where i mean the coach and there's a big disconnect but i mean when i think about the st louis blues i mean craig berube was with them at the bottom it was a learning curve for them to come all the way back from where they were mm-hmm. and win a stanley cup uh john cooper in tampa again another guy this guy grinded i mean he started out at the lowest of lows coaching and yeah. I mean, he worked his way up through the minors into Tampa's system. He took his lickens, got a couple off the chops, and ended up winning a Stanley Cup. He could go in another one again today. I mean, or this year. I mean, they're just absolutely throttling the Florida Panthers, too. And I mean, it's uh, it's a man against boys in that series. Are so, coach, there's no way Tampa doesn't sweep Panthers? that series. Have you there's- seen those games? Did you watch either one of them? Okay. I mean, they came back easily. Kucherov and Point flipped the switch. And they're just like, okay, let's bingo a few. Bob's not that good of a goaltender. We'll just walk over him. That team was not walked over. The Florida Panthers? Oh, I fundamentally disagree. I think that's the the low score, the one goal game is deceiving. Yeah, I know that. But did you watch the actual game? The Panthers have me fired right up. I like like that Lombard kid. He's a good one. Wasn't he a Flames kid? Flames pick, know. Flames. I don't know. I, I feel like I saw a tweet on this. There's there's a lot of connections there. Sam Bennett as well, one of the more mm-hmm. impactful players. But I'm telling you, there's no way Florida wins a game in this series. Tampa's buzzing. Florida just doesn't have it on the back end. Mackenzie Weger had a great regular season. Thank you. He helped me win my fantasy hockey league. Shout it to myself. Pat on the back. But like they don't have it together anymore. Keith Yandel isn't that great defensively anymore. They're too high risk. And Jonathan Hubert, a great player by all means, but I don't know. Him and Barkov have to take their game to an excellent. They have to take their game to where Kucherov and Point did when Tampa saw success. They've always been good. Hubert and Barkov are always good. They're mm-hmm. not next level good. Mm, I fundamentally disagree with you. I watched that game and I see so much in the Panthers and going into the season, I was worried about their defense because they can score. That's no problem. And then this year, I think they were either top five, definitely top 10, but their defense was the biggest improvement for them. So they could score. What's that? What happened in game two then? I thought they could score. Okay. Have, has anything ever been decided after two games of the first round of a series? Get real. I cannot wait for this to age poorly for you. 
I, I'll I'll write this series off right now. Are I, you going four? Like, there's no way. I don't see it going five. We're going back to Tampa. Emily Arena, especially with the buzz around the bolts from last year, it's going to be a hostile environment. The Panthers, I, I would assume they go back with Dreger in game three. You kind of have to. You can't go back to Bob. Spencer Knight's not ready, in my opinion. But that's as good as Dreger can play in a game and they lose it. I don't Are know. Three does like not, were, not promising. You're speaking like they were blown out 8 nothing in two games. <laughs> I'm speaking like they. I did not see them having a chance to win those games. That, oh, that's so interesting. I thought they were in it the entire two games completely. They were in it, yes. I mean, they were one shot away, but they never got that scoring chance. They never. Tampa never gave them that one shot when they needed it. You know, third period, they mm-hmm. locked it down. Especially first game, let's go with the last 10 minutes. They locked it down. But again, you've got a deadly power play. Florida decides to sit in the box, play that game. It's never going to work for you, especially not against a team like Tampa. So they got so many things they have to clean up. If they really want to, you know, even have a chance at coming back in this series, if they want to push it five games, they got to play the best game of their life tomorrow. Oh, see, and I look at these teams so much more evenly matched than you do. Like, can we talk for a second, though, about what kind of lunatics are looking at Kucherov and thinking that he was actually hurt up until the date? Like, did you hear on the, the I was watching the Florida broadcast in game one and Ed Jovanovsky very casually just goes, yeah, well, he's been practicing on the power play for a month. <laughs> kind of like, I don't think they wanted people to know that. But there's all these people that are just out there going, oh, I can't believe he looks this good. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Do you actually think that he's been laid up until two days ago and now he's miraculously at 100%? Because he is. He he hit the ground running, just like Stammer. He knew he would. But I'm blown away at how many people didn't see that for exactly what it was the entire time. I mean, three points in your first game back's not bad. That's that's all right. And I've, I've been Kucherov's biggest critic. Up until last year, I think he was one of the more overrated superstars who piled up his points in meaningless games. That's, that's just how I saw Kucherov because he never got it done when it mattered. You know, that was my biggest thing on Kucherov. And last year, he really, he, he elevated his game, not just to a whole nother level offensively, but all around it. Where you saw him, if he needed to kill a penalty, if John Cooper said, hey, we're down and we're killing a penalty in the third year, mm-hmm. he could throw Kucherov out there because he, he matured. I don't know if matured is the right word to use there. But I, I still think Braden Point's their best player. I'll give it to him. When you know when they need someone to come in clutch, Braden Point's their Jonathan Taves. Well, and he's shown that this series for sure. Braden Point is someone you see out there again, and again, and again. But also, yeah. here's a, here's a hot take that I threw out earlier, and I want your opinion on it. Half of Victor Hedman, a half healthy Victor Hedman, is better than any Florida Panthers defenseman at full health. <laughs> He is. He he should be going for surgery right now. He should be on his way to the hospital for surgery. He should. He should. And he is the best, the absolute best defenseman in the series, hands down. Mm, and I don't love Florida's defense, so I'm, I don't want to fight you on that too hard. But, but I feel like you're kind of pigeonholing me to say the Panthers suck, and I disagree. <laughs> but no, I I don't want to fight you on that because I am such a fan of Hedman that I just, I've I've been pumping his tires forever. Like I I do get exactly what you're saying, but 
I think they're kind of apples and oranges because I don't want to have to talk. Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, a, D, a D man's a D man, in my opinion. And I'm going no. to stick by that one. Now, we didn't even get to the Canucks. We'll get to that later, but we've got to head off to a commercial break here. It's World Hockey Report, presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts, Cody Jansen, Katie Caldwell with you, Jillian Kemmer, KHL writer, podcaster with us after the break right here on 12 Ounce Sports. Figured it was time we should probably dive into some of the other series after we, you know, ranted about Tampa, Florida for a, a little while. Actually, I wanted to address one of the comments there that says Kucherov has been practicing for a long time. That's literally what Katie said. So I don't know what you're listening to. That was literally her main point. I don't know. Maybe I missed something. What's going on? Cody Jans and Katie Caldwell with you here. World Hockey Report said by Lord Co. Auto Parts. The one-stop shop for quality RV, car, truck, or marine parts and accessories. Our next guest, the smartest person I know who covers KHL hockey. Brought to you by Coco Vodka. Coco Rum. The weather's getting nicer out there. You need something to sip on while swinging the sticks. Lighten up the barbecue watching playoff hockey. Refreshingly different Coco Vodka, Coco Rum. Coming out with new cans in Canada and flavors are next. Lime and pineapple Oh, yeah. Enjoy the cocoa life thus. High quality ingredients, no fillers, no beer bloat, no cheap liquor, cocoa, vodka, cocoa, rum. You will not be disappointed. Join now, Jillian Kemmerer, KHL writer, podcaster, joins the show. We appreciate you hopping on, taking some time with us today. And I got to ask the Isles, they're now tied in a series 1 1. And in my opinion, they made a mistake going with Varlamov. I know he bounced back after that goal, but Ilya Sorokin wins the first game. And I get it. The Tron system plays into it. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about Sorokin because you covered him in the KHL. And were you, were you surprised to see his transition be so seamless? I mean, it's his rookie year and he won an opening playoff game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are the best team in their division. I am not surprised at all. So first of all, hi, Katie. Hi, Cody. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I First of all, Ilya Sorokin was an absolute stud in the KHL. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he comes to the NHL and arrives you know, the top goaltender contending against some of the best. But what I noticed about Sorokin in the KHL playoffs in 2019, and I covered his team through their Gagarin Cup championship win, was the calmness that he displayed even at the height of that championship. And I, and I have to remind you that back in 2019, Moscow is always in the mix for the Gagarin Cup, but they actually hadn't won a postseason title since the fall of the Soviet Union. And this team with Kirill Kaprizov and Ilya Sorokin, they knew that their days were numbered because all these guys were heading to the NHL. So the pressure on Sorokin to get it done was just absolutely insurmountable. He delivers an unbelievable performance, sets the record for shutouts in the playoffs, picks up playoff MVP along the way. So when I saw him and the way that he displayed such maturity and confidence carrying that team through to their Gagarin Cup championship, I thought, this is a kid that can handle anything. Not to mention the fact that when I interviewed him back at the All-Star Game in 2020, he was speaking unbelievable English. So the commitment he had made to making that transition, it had started long before he arrived, um, both in the bubble and then eventually on Long Island. Oh, um, I want to get your thoughts on the Wild Night series, Jillian. So lots of people predicted going in that Vegas would walk right through. Cody, you've heard otherwise, but everything I was hearing was just all Vegas. But Wild are looking pretty good. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on that series and then about Kaprizov in particular. 
Well, I think Carol, there's a lot of pressure on Carol Kaprizov to deliver. I can remember long before uh, he arrived, I was getting all of these DMs. I actually got a death threat from a wild fan. I'm not even kidding. In my DMs on Twitter, that was like, if he comes over and he's a bust, I'm going to kill you. And I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. <laughs> nice to speak with you too. Um, I think that, that there's a real opportunity here for him to light it up. Uh, he's a kid that obviously produced from the minute that he arrived, but in the playoffs and under pressure, Kaprizov has a history of delivering big. I mean, he handed Russia that Olympic gold medal in 2018. So I think if you see this kid really getting his feet under him, and I suspect that we will, we will continue to see that. I think he could be a major factor. And I love that they're contesting for that. I mean, I also would have assumed that perhaps they wouldn't have been so competitive going into that series. Um, Kaprizov obviously can't carry a whole team and he's had a wonderful season, but Seeing them push for it, I'm thinking to myself, this is the exact scenario in which Kaprizov has stepped up in the past. So I would absolutely love to see him tear it up in his first uh, playoff appearance. Oh, we love to see it. Okay, and let's swing over to the East now, one of my favorite series. Um, Boston and Washington, it looks like it's going to continue to be super close, super physical, and you've got superstars just all around. What are either of these teams going to have to do to get out of this first round and alive? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I actually, when I think about that series, I think it's going to be all about controlling emotions because I, you know, I'm a KHL reporter, so I'm not watching the NHL as closely, but I was watching the blow up of the New York Rangers toward the end of the season, all of the insanity with Tom Wilson. And the fact that the the Caps were able to dig down, deliver that big win, that hat trick for Oshie. I mean, it's such an emotional night. This is a team that's so well-oiled, especially mentally. So I think in a series like that, yes, we want all the physicality. We want the fireworks, but I sort of hope to see, you know, a lip, if they can tamp it down a little bit and channel it the right way. I, I think the Caps are very particularly good at that, but I, I think it's anyone's series. That's one that, I wouldn't even begin to put money on because I could never guess it. I think I'd put money on that one going seven games and lock that. Jillian, I I know you, you're you're all over the Russian national team two coverage world championships coming up starts Friday. I want to get your thoughts on this Russian team. Obviously they leave pod cools off the roster. I believe he's practicing with them, but what do you expect and who are some players or just a player in general who you think we should be keeping an eye on? So this is an interesting team. Um, Russia is spoiled for goaltenders, as we can see all over the uh, NHL playoffs. But because they're spoiled for goaltenders, all of their goaltenders are still in contention. And unfortunately, the New York Rangers had two potential prospects for this team, Igor Shosturkin, Alexander Georgiev, who's Bulgarian, Russian. Neither were cleared to play and both were injured late in the season. So Russia has a goaltending problem. However, they did get a ton of talent in from the NHL on their blue line. So if we look back to the last game they played, the last friendly they played against the Czech Republic, um, they had a really, really tough time. Their first game of Worlds is against the Czech Republic again, but this time they're going to have that blue line in front of whatever goaltender they choose to start with. And we've got Ivan Fedotov and Alexander Samanov, both of whom are good goaltenders but struggled in the lead-up. So when we see that defense come to play, It'll be interesting. Um, I think Russia lacks a little bit of the firepower up front, but if I were to keep an eye on three players, I would say Mikhail Grigorenka um, in the Columbus organization, but a big-time Red Army star. Maxim Shalunov, also of Red Army, and Vladislav Kamyanov, who was most recently with the Avs, but was at St. Petersburg this season. Three players that I think could make the difference up front. So that's who I would keep an eye on, but also the question is, will the goaltending be enough to backstop them against some of these tougher teams? I'm really excited to see the Czech Republic in action. 
Really? The checks are that good? Eh? I seen part of that. It was a, I don't know, Czech hockey cup or whatever it was. I saw part of that game against Russia and they really dominated, but you can't put too much into it. That's not the official rosters going out there. Do you think Russia's got a chance at gold though? I think it's a very open world. I think Russia will struggle against any team that's able to break that, break down that defense. I was looking at the groups that they were practicing in and they had um, Zubin Zadorov together. They had Gavrikov and Provorov together. They have some good blue line pairings, especially that top six, I think is going to be tough. But, you know, I look at the Czech Republic. They're not, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a stark ironclad team, but they have Shimmy Hrubeck in net. He just won the Gagarin Cup and he posted an absolutely magnificent performance to hand them that Gagarin Cup. So they've got some really interesting players and more depth than I would have imagined. I think Russia's not going to take any game lightly. They're very serious about national team play. They don't have their jersey. They don't have their anthem. They don't have their flag. And that is definitely going to be fuel for them going into this. It certainly was a, a tailwind, I think, for them in 2018 to prove themselves. So I think it's going to be a, a decent team. Don't get me wrong, but I, it is unfortunate that they didn't get the goaltending together because then we'd be having a different conversation. Awesome. Jillian, hey, thank you so much for hopping on the show. We appreciate it. Hey, I read that uh, article with Rubik there. That was awesome. I mean, good to thank see you. a check succeeding in the KHL. Also, I mean, the podcast, you've got multiple going on now, don't you? And you've got the sub stack as well. Plug, plug where people can find your work. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you both for having me. It's always a pleasure. Um, I'm on Twitter at Jillian Kemmerer. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Caviar Diplomat. Warning, it's a lot of Soviet hockey history photos if you're into that sort of thing. Um, and I have a sub stack. So a couple bucks a month, you want to hear a little bit about the inside story of what's going on in Russia and beyond, I'll uh, drop into your email. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you so much for making time today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great day, guys. Enjoy the playoffs. You too. Will do. <laughs> right there, Jillian Kemmerer, KHL journalist, podcaster. Some interesting, you know, thoughts there, especially Ooh. when it comes down to the Russians not having Shostorkin and Georgiev at the World Championships. Obviously, uh, you know, it's going to be a concern for him. What was your thoughts as someone who, you know, covers Vancouver a little closely or more closely than me, I guess, without Pod Colson on that team? Because I feel like He's got to be a top 20 or 25 player in Russia, doesn't he? Why Why would he not be on this team unless maybe there's something going on where they're pissed off that he's going to America next year, Canada next year, and I don't know if they're holding a grudge over him. That's one I can't quite figure out, and that's probably a good question for Chris Faber. He's the one uh, in Vancouver that deals with their prospects quite a bit, but I noticed in the World Juniors that I wasn't loving how they were utilizing him. Because he, he was getting a lot of time on like the fourth line and I'm watching going, are you watching this guy play when he's out there? So I, there's something to it. And I wish I had an answer for you, but unfortunately I don't. Cause yeah, everybody in Vancouver has still been on Pod Colson watch for a while, but yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm wondering if there's something more than we realize. That's a good question. Faber's hilarious. We've had him on before. He was, yeah. he was, you know, one of the guys who was kind of starting this around the same time we were. So good to see him have some success. Of course, Cody Jans and Katie Caldwell with the World Honk Report. Follow us on Twitter at World Honky RPTM on Twitter at Janet31. She's there at Katie Loris. Uh, let's let's talk about the Vancouver Canucks here for a little bit. While we're diving yeah. into it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to keep Jim Benning one day. They're getting rid of him the next. They don't know if they're keeping Travis Green. They don't know about Ian Clark. They want to bring the Sedins back, but it can't be a big role. I mean, this team is just, they just throw them in the blender and spit them out next season where they're going to have the exact same results, in my opinion. 
there are so many layers to this season. Like the Canucks could have a 30 for 30 season on just this alone, like going back from the bubble until now, like, and there are two different perspectives. Like there's from, there's anger from the playoff or from the player side. And then there's anger from the fans. And it's all of it is justified in my opinion. Like for, for the players, you look in the off season and how many they just let walk. They lost half their team. And then all of a sudden they get hit by COVID and you have guys like JT Miller coming out and he's the one defending their safety. And he's the one that's calling out the organization saying, we don't feel safe. We don't feel taken care of. Toffoli comes out, he's pouring gas on the fire saying, I wanted to finish my career in Vancouver. Did you hear uh, the other day, I think it was yesterday, Demko, he's pleading, he's begging, and I've never seen anything like this in my life, for them to figure out their contract with Ian Clark, which obviously everyone in the market is begging for. Players are asking for trades. That's what Thomas Drance had reported yesterday. Like, this is once a world-class franchise. And now you have all of these players where it's just issues coming from all over the place. So from the organization perspective, I get that anger. And then there's the fans. And all you have to do is log on to Canucks Twitter and you see all of this. But the fans have so much reason to be upset. Like they've been screaming from the rooftops for how many years and their voices are being ignored. And then you have Jim Benning come out in his presser that was months after it should have been. And he makes comments like, yeah, we're just going to keep taking it day by day. It's like you have coaches playing, playing for contracts. You can't be playing it day by day. You don't have a plan in place. This isn't a team where you can look at it and go, yeah, everything will just figure itself out if we just keep playing it day by day. So you've missed the playoffs five out of the last six years. And Benning is out there saying we're two years out from another run. And you've got fans flying a plane with a banner that says fire banning and you're going to bring them back. Like all of this to me is just, I don't understand why Benning has the seemingly longest leash in the NHL because it just doesn't seem like there's anything he can do wrong. Like there was this photo yesterday as someone who tweeted out the top 20 worst moves by Benning. And I remember looking at number 16 and I'm like, some of my top aren't even there yet. And seeing the physical photo, like it's something I should tweet out, seeing the physical photo of the list of every single thing he's done to just ruin this franchise is tangible. And you're going to keep him around. Can someone help explain this to me? Now, I'll, you know, take his side in this sense of who's better for the position. And I know that there's a lot of people that would say, I mean, he's probably the worst possible suitor. You're best off to go without a GM at this point with him there. I also want your take on this. So do you think how uh, McElhaney acts on social media, how active he is in this, has a part to play where a lot of people that I've seen recently are saying, Hey, they got to sell the team. Nothing's going to change with their current system until they get new owners in place who are truly serious about a rebuild, who are fully invested in a rebuild. I don't know. I think that's an interesting thing to, you know, think about because maybe there is more behind the scenes of, you know, some buddy buddy stuff that's keeping Benning in a spot where it's going to be the exact same conversation a month or two into next season when they're in worse possible or they're in a worse cap situation. You got to sign Hughes. You got to sign Pedersen. You know, there's, there's worse, a worse vision ahead. So I don't know what's going to happen. There, and the problem is, is they back themselves into such a corner that there's no right answer other than just clean house. It seems like, when I read that yesterday that there are players requesting a trade out of Vancouver, that's alarming. 
Like the alarm. Well, they only have like six or eight guys with like actual trade value at this point above a fourth round pick. I understand that. But if you have these core pieces that you're going, well, at least we have these players. What if they want the hell out? Which it seems like a lot of them do. Like if you're Petey, how are you feeling right now? When you look at everything that's just happened, how are you feeling? Like in what world is any of this okay that they've done? And I don't miss, and here's the thing that frustrates me is they deal with everything retroactively. Well, they go, well, maybe this will make the fans happy. And they bring up that, oh, we're going to bring the Sedins into these roles or whichever. Like, do you think people are honestly going to care about that when your team doesn't seem to have any plan or future? Like, nobody cares about that. That would be exciting if that was part of this big grand plan and they were pieces to other pieces that fans were happy with if they were being listened to. It's a mess. Vancouver's a mess. That's a nice way to put it, that it's a mess right now. And I think that they're going to have the same conversations of fire banning. They will. A month or two into next year. I'm How very confident on that. Years. Seasons now. Like four years. <laughs> he hands out terrible deals. Adam always goes on rants about it. He's the numbers guy. Everyone knows I am not World Hockey Report's numbers guys. I'm not the expert on this field. I know they've got some terrible contracts. I know, I, I think that they've actually, I'll give them credit, the Demko move was great. Bringing in Braden Holtby, a little questionable. I mean, you brought in a leader who had an 890 save percentage. Was that the right move? I don't know. Was it smart for them to keep Mikey DiPietro out of games this year? I don't know. There, there's, there's so many layers to this onion that we could peel. And end of the day, it's going to be piss poor, pathetic, and no one is going to be happy. I got to give a shout out, though, to Player Athletics, of course, WHR OT challenge coming up again this year. These playoffs use it every time a game goes to overtime. Get pick your guys. WHR OT challenge. Use that hashtag. And of course, if you're shopping on player athletics, use world honky RPT 20% off your purchase. Hey, quick question. Double IHF world championships. Obviously it's coming up. Lord Coato parts, big factor in hockey Canada here. Who do you think finishes higher Canada or USA? Just need an answer. Canada. Yes, that's the right answer. I think everyone should be fine with that. The Americans went with a young team, but Canada again, interesting. We'll see how their goaltending tandem plays out. Pump for Darcy Camper, another chance to wear the leaf. That's going to do it, though. Hey, huge thanks, Jillian Kemmer, for uh, hopping on the show here, talking some Russian hockey players, KHL, NHL, all of that. Let's head out west, the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, hey. I say, you know, people gave Minnesota more credit. You're not saying that. We're going to talk with Tyler Cash after the break here. It's World Hockey Report, presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts, coming to you live on 12 Ounce Sports. We said we're going to head out west, and that is exactly what we are going to do. We got a tie series, Vegas and Minnesota. It's been thrilling so far, seeing a nice little resurgence there in Mark Andre Flurry. So we're going to talk about it with our next guest. Hey, it's World Hockey Report, Cody Jans and Katie Caldwell with you. Presented by Lordco Auto Parts. Learn more at lordco.com. Follow them at Lordco Parts on social media. Our next guest, Tyler Cash, host of the Fourth Line Goon, brought to you by Coho Hockey we got a talk space coming up tonight. We're giving away some pretty cool stuff. If you're a retro hockey fan, you want to check it out. Talk space, World Hockey RPT on Twitter after Oilers Jets game one. Yes, there's a giveaway. Bring your trivia hat. I'm just going to give away that. Coho Hockey 
12 ounce sports world hockey report we're hooking it up our next guest tyler cash hopping on the show here podcastles of the fourth line goon appreciate you making time man always a pleasure talking to you and i want to get your thoughts early on that vegas win last night i say chandler stevenson was the standout one of the difference makers obviously alex a couple of goals what was the main difference aside from just scoring from games one and two well i think moving alex tuck up to that top line while Patch Reddy's out, is that was the move. Um, they've been kind of bouncing back and forth between him and Yanmark. But uh, Alex Tuck is a stud. He's been showing it all season long. And uh, now when we need him the most, he's uh, he's putting the puck in the back of the net, which has been a big, big issue, to say the least, for Vegas. So, goaltending side, Tyler, do you see a situation where Robin Leonard will be slotted in, or do you think they're going to continue to ride the hot hand in flower? The way DeBoer coaches in previous uh, situations, I feel like this is Flurry's net. Um, last postseason, we saw Leonard take control and, and be the starter. And uh, while um, I don't think that was necessarily the wrong call, I think a lot of fans believed that it was. Um, and But he rode the hot hand last year, and I think he's going to do it again this year. Mm. Um, so I don't know how to ask this question, but bluntly, are the Knights going to be able to score enough to win the series? I mean, that is the question, right? Um, this series is going to be very boring, in my opinion. I, I have it going seven. I think we're going to see a lot of, um, you know, one-goal decision games. To be honest with you, last night I was very surprised they even netted that third goal. Um, I was there at T-Mobile. I mean, the atmosphere was electric, but the game it was not, to be to be blunt as well. Uh, boring hockey, to say the least. I, I often call the Minnesota Wild the Islanders of the West, because that's kind of the mm-hmm. vibe. Like They grind their teams down. They don't take a lot of crazy chances, and, and those are the chances that the Knights seem to capitalize on in the transition. So when uh, a team that they're up against tries to play in the transition and tries to kind of just take advantage of those um, breakaway opportunities, the Knights capitalize and that's why you see them do so well on four on fours or even a man down they just take advantage of teams in that sense and uh the wild doesn't really do that um they're more of a possession team they play smart hockey uh dump and chase so it's going to be a boring series but i I think yeah i think the the knights have just a little bit more firepower on their side Mm -hmm. hopefully especially if patch comes back well, I know everyone in Canada is jealous of the atmosphere in Vegas, yes. and I want to ask you about the North Division. Give me your picks here. We got Oilers and Jets. That gets underway tonight, and then you got Leafs and Habs. Do you think it's going to be the obvious answers, or what are you thinking for these series? You know, I I think so far I've been wrong. Let's put it that way. Uh, Tampa has been uh, kind of blowing my bracket out of the water. I, you know, I had Florida uh, being, uh, being the sure thing all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, so that, that kind of – threw me off. And then obviously the Caps and Bruins that, I mean, they're even now, I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of a lot closer series than we might've thought. Um, except for the Leafs and the Habs. Uh, I retweeted, I think it was you that posted that, that video of Carey Price. And that's not, uh, that doesn't, that can't sit well with any Canadian fan. That's for sure. So yeah, I, I gotta go Leafs. I mean, I know that's the obvious cop out, but I think that they're I think they're going to go all the way uh, as far as the north goes and um you know I think the Edmonton Jets series is going to be a lot closer um for sure but ultimately this is going to be our time to see if Mike Smith is the real deal or if he's just 
gotten lucky during the regular season. It all pretty much sets on his shoulders. Which series has been catching your eye the most? Because you mentioned that uh, Vegas and Wild were a bit boring, but is there one that's really sticking out to you? Yeah, the Battle of Florida is still great. You know, that first game was awesome. Um, There were a few few calls that kind of, kind of screwed the Panthers over, I feel like, um, which is never fun in the playoffs, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that that's going to, I think that that's still going to go the distance, obviously uh, the Bruins and caps. I mean, dude, I, Craig Anderson, he's going to be 40 years old and watching, watching him step up is just, that's fun for me. So that that's been a lot of fun as well. That's awesome to hear. No, as Craig Anderson's been one of the stories of playoffs, I think Tampa gets it done in four. I'm sorry. I don't think Florida's got a chance. They got no hope in that. Tyler, I, I want to leave it with this, though. I mean, I think that's a St. Louis Blues flag behind you, yep. if I'm uh, not mistaken. Other other side, other side. But they're, <laughs> both, they're both of them. They got a chance against Colorado or what? Oh, Are they gonna no, get one? Not, not even close. No. I, I, think I, I think in my bracket I said five, but they're – there, it's probably a clean sweep. That I mean, with Kron out of the lineup, the Avalanche just being the Avalanche. Yeah, I, it sucks. It's unfortunate because I really just want to watch good playoff hockey, and the Blues just haven't been able to click all season, you know. And that's it is a bummer, you know. Um, and they haven't been healthy, and that's an issue that the Knights have been dealing with too. And you hate to see that in a shortened season. You just you want to see everyone firing on all cylinders because that's what makes playoff hockey great. Um, I, and unfortunately, we're not seeing that with the Blues. But hopefully I'm wrong. I, I really want to see that series go the distance as well. Well, Tyler, I hope you're wrong, too. I do hope the Blues make a run. Thank you so much for hopping on, though. We appreciate your insight. Enjoy the rest of the games. I know you're uh, always at the Vegas games somehow. I wish I was able to go down there. But, man, uh, enjoy the playoffs, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks, Tyler. Tyler Cash right there, host of Fourth Line Goon. Go check out his podcast today, Vegas Golden Knights fan as well. I see his videos inside and the barn just looks electric. So, yes, I am jealous of him there. Now, I wanted to bring this up because, I mean, we didn't get to it. NHL News for Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, of course. Go check him out, ProRock.com. Dr. Haley Wickenheiser promoted Senior Director of Player Development with the Toronto Maple Police. I see the big smile on your face. I mean, what's that like for you where women are starting to take more prominent roles in hockey teams. And it's not surprising. They clearly have the knowledge. I mean, we talk about Leah Hextall being, you know, a trailblazer in media, but you also listen to your Kendall Coyne Schofields who are on broadcast. And I mean, I'll tell you for free, I'd rather listen to her than Pierre. I mean, I think that they just give a, a lot more insight. And so I don't mean to take a jab at Pierre, but that's just my honest truth is I feel that they understand the game better. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a hot take, but that's just the honest opinion. Well, oftentimes with women in hockey and in sport in general, for us to still be here, you have to work a lot harder to get there because it's not always easy being a woman in sports. So for to look at what Dr. Haley Wickenheiser has done, just she's had such a remarkable career. And my response to that is, yes, I'm excited, but it's also about damn time because there are so many good qualified women and they just need the chances. Just give them a shot and they can make waves. So... Just I think that's fair. Now, I didn't write this down, and I'm kind of kicking myself. I don't have Twitter open right now. I think, it, is it Daniel Goyette? Is that who I'm thinking of? Who was uh, promoted underneath her, just uh, the director of player development? I can't think of it on the spot. And now oh, I'm just yeah, going to 
I, I'm just going to look like a complete idiot talking here. <laughs> but again, that's, you know, they're just multiple roles. It's awesome to see. And, and, you know, that definitely deserves a shout out. She's from Saskatchewan, of course. You know, Sasky people are the absolute best here. Also, a bunch of injuries to get to NHL news for pro wrong hockey sticks. Evgeny Malkin's out. Kuznetsov's still out. Vanacek's day-to-day. Lazan's out in Boston. Pantoretti's still out. You got Perron out in St. Louis. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nick Ehlers out for the Winnipeg Jets. Tough news there for all those teams. I mean, those are all impactful players. And so if you don't have them in your lineup, it sucks come playoff time. Hey, be sure to chime in. Anything you got, hit us up at World Honky RPT on Twitter on there at Janner31. You're there, Katie Loris, on Twitter as well. We got to get to a couple of segments here that start off Quack Stats. Okay, Katie, who are we going to bench today for our friends at Quack Stats, most advanced player tracking technology? Follow them on Instagram at Quack underscore stats. I've got a simple one. I'm going with Sam Bennett. It's selfish to take a suspension in playoffs, and it's twice as bad when it's an obvious dirty hit from behind that everyone sees. And I don't care. Say what you want. Say, oh, well, Tampa, you know, that was a similar hit on Duclair. It wasn't that close, but you still can't justify doing something suspension worthy just because someone did it to you. It just doesn't make sense. It's immature. It's stupid. And Sam Bennett has now helped Tampa get a 2 nothing lead in that series because he's an effective player when he's on the ice. So that's selfish. Your bench, Sam Bennett. <laughs> well, and you really noticed his absence. Like, because he's just, what he's done with that team has just been remarkable. I think it's almost a point of game. But um, I'm benching all of the Florida Panthers haters. You included. <laughs> you can't do that. Yes, I can. I can do it I think I'm I might be the only Florida Panther hater. Everyone seems to love them. They're just the lovable losers. They never do I good. I just said so. they're going the distance. That doesn't sound like four, does it? Weird. Weird. I guess I guess we'll talk uh, when or if game five happens. <laughs> That's not even my spiciest take. My big spice take is of the Canes and Preds series. <laughs> no yeah, we haven't even that. got to that quickly. <laughs> All right. Our bets of the night for mybookie.ag. Use our promo code uh, 120Z Sports on Capsional Spaces. Mybookie.ag. They're going to match your first deposit up to 50%. Now, we, we talked about this before. You're going. Actually, uh, I got Oilers in regulation. They are plus 110 there. You've got Nashville to win tonight. Game two. I don't think Saros has the same juice he had in the regular season. Maybe he's a little tired. Maybe they're just not there. Maybe their scoring's not there because a defenseman led their team in points. But Carolina is miles ahead of this team, Katie. You can't convince me otherwise that Nashville's going to make this a series. I don't have to try and convince you. I know in my heart that this will be a bigger series than people realize. I The Preds are coming in so hot. They were one of the hottest teams going into the playoffs, which we've seen time and time again, how that matters. So they need to be more aggressive offensively. We saw that. And they need to mirror what Carolina does in transition. Carolina is so complete. They've got four lines. They've got solid defense. If they can get sturdy goaltending through the playoffs, they'll be fine. But I do worry about their goaltending. And if you look at a situation where UC Saros is standing on his head and Adelkovich is maybe feeling a bit of the pressure, those are occurrences that can totally shift a series. And we've all seen it before. If Saros stays hot and if they can get a bit of scoring from people maybe outside of Roman Yossi, because you would probably that up that Roman Yossi is their leading scorer, but Phil Forsberg is back. RV looks good there. And uh, Ellie Tolvanen, it's, uh, I'm hoping he gets into the lineup tonight because uh, he will be a big boost for their power play. So I'm absolutely not, I don't necessarily think the Preds are going to win the next four. I think it's going to be closer than people realize. 
Hey, the Preds did pick up a win in this series. I mean, Philip Forsberg with that mustache, he's the hottest guy in the series. Hands down, no question about it. <laughs> Unreal style there. Give him that win. But you bring up, you know, Nedeljkovic, you know, maybe he'll, you know, kind of waver. He played more games than Saros in the regular season, and he had better numbers throughout the year. I don't see any reason why he would waver. I, I think that, you know, he's just got to play competent goaltending. If he puts up a 920 or above, I don't think it looks good for your friends, Katie. I don't. I I just don't yeah, see no. how they can outcoach Rod the Bot. He's got that team just dialed in. Well, and one area where the the Canes can handedly win it is special teams. Like their power play is so good and the Preds penalty kill is so bad. So that's a big area that if the Preds can stay out of the box, because I do trust their coaching quite a bit more. John Hines is newer and the power play has been Nashville's issue for a couple seasons now, but Talking Ever about goalies, in a cup final. we don't need to talk about it. Um, but it's when goalies get hot. So if you look at UC's numbers through the whole season, fine. I absolutely understand your argument. Look at him from the start of March on. That's what I'm looking at. Start of March or full season? Take your sample size. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the biggest Nedeljkovic fan. It's wild, though, that he gets such a good season and anyone could have picked him up off waivers for absolutely mm. zil. I mean, it's wild to think that that was passed upon okay nhl anything else that we got to touch on here we got three minutes left what what's burning in your head right now that you got to get i mean i know you just unloaded on the vancouver canucks what's your thoughts on the north series i mean the oilers gonna walk all over the jets or what i got oil in four. Oh yeah no absolutely not i think that i like the oilers in that series i don't like having your scoring tied up in two guys I think that's riskier if one of them, God forbid, goes down. I just, the production, how it drops off outside of Dreisaitl and McDavid, I just don't love it. And Connor Hellebuck, I understand his numbers completely crashed before the playoffs, but then he had, was it two shutouts right before? And he's someone that he can go into the playoffs and he has the ability to play like a man on fire. So Connor Hellebuck could be obviously a huge difference maker in that series. But yeah, that one, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I like... The Jets bottom six better than I like the Oilers bottom six. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think if Cassian isn't going to be his old self, he's just a you know waste of a spot down there. Mm-hmm. If he's on, you know, he's one of the more effective players in on that team. Honestly, he's a playoff guy. That's exactly what he's made for, but he's been terrible all year. He just hasn't found that mojo ever since the Matthew Kachuk incident. And I don't know. He's not there. I, I get your point. Maybe Winnipeg does have some depth that the Oilers can't rely upon. But again, I mean, when you bring up the scoring coming from two, Darnell Nurse just had a record year. Tyson Berry's been absolutely phenomenal. Yes, Apuliarvi's found a whole new... I mean, he, he's he's kind of figuring out the North American game. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. I still think Ryan Nugent Hopkins can be an effective player. I don't think he's worth $7 million, but that's a whole you know another story there. And... and as, as much as people want to rip on James Neal, he finds ways to score when it matters. So you put him in playoffs, who knows what can happen. Also, real Leafs real. Habs, give me your prediction for that one. Oh, I'm predicting that Leafs fans are going to be stressed the hell out, and I love that. I think they think it's going to be four, and I don't think that's the case. I'm, I'm I nervous I about... Leafs in six. Yeah, I, th- I think the series could be a bit spicier than people realize, only because what a mental case that organization is with the playoffs 
when you haven't run a, won a first round since 2004, Leafs fans are not comfortable. And I highly suspect that there are some people in that building that have a bit of that worry because they have no excuse this year. Their team is stacked. Their core has been together long enough. They added depth. Jack Campbell's playing well. Like they, they have to do it. And I don't know if they will because look at the past. <laughs> I see them as a totally different franchise this year. So I think that they're going to get over. I love Simmons, love Thornton. Mm. I mean, they just, they, they built their team. Right. And as you said, Jack Campbell, he's just been winning. That's all you need your goaltender to do. Yeah. Do good enough to win. That's I think he's got two regulation losses this season. Just win. That's all you need out of your goaltender, especially come playoff time. That's going to do it, though. Huge thanks to our guests today, Jillian Kemmer, Tyler Cash. Be sure to go check out their work. And don't forget, teamed up the folks at Hockey Podcast Network, produce our pods to download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from. Katie, any last thoughts before we sign off? Mm, fire banning. Fire banning. That's the theme of the day. And we are going to stick with that. Of course, follow us on Twitter. We'll talk RPT talk space coming tonight. We're going to try it out for Coho Hockey giveaways to come. Be sure to use hashtag WHROT challenge as well for player athletics. Until next week, everyone be kind, be better. 